right. Who was here last week when we started with the Hebrews? Okay, most of you. Who wasn't, who wasn't here? Just okay, a couple of, okay, so I will do a quick recap. Um, but please watch last week's um, sermon on Facebook because they follow up, they follow on one another. We did Hebrews chapter 1 and 2, so we're going to do 3 and 4 today. But um, I just want to touch on a few important points. So in, in Hebrews 1, it said, in the old, he, he spoke to us um, through the prophets. But in the last of these days, as you've spoken to us in the person of a son. So he doesn't speak to us in part. They had only like a little piece of the, the puzzle. I'm not going to draw the whole puzzle again. Just think a jigsaw puzzle, okay? They, <laughs> they only, every one of them just revealed a little bit of the truth. But the son, according to um, Hebrews chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 1, is the express image and the full revelation. If you see the Son, you see the Father, John chapter 14. So, so he revealed everything, and they revealed a little bit. But they were a voice in the old, and the Son was a voice. <laughs> I don't know where that sea came from. In the new. Okay. So then we started talking about the angels in Hebrews chapter 1. He said the angels brought the law. And the law was given... Acts chapter 7 says it, and Galatians chapter 3 says it, and Hebrews chapter 1 says it. The, the law was given through the instrumentality of angels. So, so Moses went, went up the mountain and he got the law from angels. So the angels were instruments of God bringing the law to Moses. And Moses was a go-between so that the law, which is a contract, could be established between the the Jews, the, the nation Israel, and God. But the law was never meant to be the voice of God. The law came with the prophets, and the prophets spoke what God said. Okay? Even though the law says, God, uh, I can't, don't remember the, the English. Then God, what's uh, uh, Announced these laws. Okay? But it was written down. It was written in stone. It wasn't him saying it. All right. So the angels were instruments. Okay. So then we said he was brought down lower than angels. Lower than, than, than the angels for a little while. Okay. Now Galatians chapter 4 says um, he was born... Uh, subject to the law, born from a woman under the law, subject to the law, to redeem them who are under the curse of the law, which is all of us. Okay, so he, he came as a party to the contract to fulfill it, so he was born under what the angels brought under the law. And then he fulfilled the law. So Christ is the end of the law, Romans chapter 10, and the limit at which it ceases to be, for he is the fulfillment of it. So he lowered himself to angels for a little while to fulfill the law so that he could be exalted again. Now, in Hebrews chapter 1, he says in verse, um, verse 3, when he had by offering himself, 
accomplished our cleansing of sins and riddance of guilt, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. So he did all of this. He fulfilled it at the cross. When he had accomplished our, our cleansing of sins and riddance of guilt, he ascended to the Father and he sat down on the throne. Okay, so being seated means he was exalted to the heavens. Being seated means he entered the rest. He's not working, he's not standing, but he's seated. But being seated also means he is in a place of authority in the heaven at the right hand of the Father. Okay, so he is no longer subject to angels. He has taken us with him to the throne. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are there with him. Okay, so the angels, we are no longer under angels. Angels are now our servants. And it says so, angels are ministering spirits sent out in the assistance of those who are to inherit salvation, verse 14. And then he, he spoke about in, in chapter 2, um, that Jesus shared in flesh and blood in the same nature as us. So he lowered himself to angels, to below angels. He, say, he, he shared in the same nature so that by going through death, he might destroy him who had power over, the de over death, that is the devil. So he, he took on our nature also so that he could be a sympathetic high priest related to the things of God so that he could make perfect intercession for us. So because he was tempted and tested and tried in every respect as we are, um, it says, but yet without sin, it says he is, is able to run to the cry of them. It says here, verse 17, it is evident that it was essential that he be made like his brethren in every respect in order that he might become a merciful and sympathetic faithful high priest in the things related to God to make atonement and propitiation for the people's sin. For because he himself in his humanity has suffered in being tempted, tested, and tried, he is able immediately to run to the cry and assist those who are being tempted and tested and tried and who therefore are being exposed to suffering. Okay, so... The, the whole thing is, we need to understand that the son is the big deal. He's the voice. He's the one that the prophet spoke about. The law was the device to bring us from under the law and under the authority of angels to where the son is seated at the right hand of the father. Okay. And he is forever our high priest and forever interceding for us. Okay, so does that make sense? All right, so let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. This is, 3 and 4 is amazing. I mean, I've spent so, so much time on chapter 4. You, you can probably quote chapter 4 by now. <laughs> but um, chapter 3 um, starts off by actually referring back to us being cleansed. He says, so then consecrated and set apart for God, Brethren, consecrate and set apart for God who share in his heavenly calling. So he shared in our earthly suffering so that we can share in his heavenly calling. <clears throat> Thoughtfully and attentively consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confessed as ours when we embraced the Christian faith. Okay, so the, the King James, the, I, I prefer the King James. It says, wherefore, holy brethren, 
partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So it says, the son, the apostle, because he brought the message, and the high priest, he's the one interceding. Okay, he offered up his own blood. We'll get to that in chapter 9. The apostle and the high priest of our, of our, our profession of faith. The son, he says, consider him. So think of him. He needs to be the main thing. He needs to be the, the big idea. Verse 2, see how faithful he was to him who appointed him apostle and high priest, as Moses was also faithful in the whole house of God. So now he, he uh, what's for like, compares him to Moses. Okay, so Moses was faithful to what God called him. But Moses himself, in Acts chapter 3, he refers to it. He says, God will raise up a prophet amongst us, okay, like he has raised up me. Him shall you hear. So even Moses testified, he says, listen, if you, th if you thought you were going to listen to me, God is going to bring another prophet, and you must listen to him. And everyone who's, who doesn't listen to him will be cut off from among the people and completely destroyed. Okay. <laughs> pretty, pretty strong words. Okay. So to hear him and to consider him um, is much more important than, than to hear Moses because Moses testified about him. Everything Moses said was about him. All right. So even though Moses brought the law that came through from the angels, Moses was a prophet as well. Okay. Yet Jesus has been considered worthy of much greater honor and glory than Moses, just as a builder of a house has uh, more honor than the house itself. Okay, so just think of that. Everything was created through Jesus, who is the Word. And that also featured in, in chapter 1 and 2. He's the creator of all things. And in Colossians 1, that, that refers to um, him being the express image. All right, so Moses was part of the creation. And Jesus is the creator. Moses is part of the house being built. And Jesus is the builder of the house, the designer of everything. Right. For, of course, every house is built and furnished by someone, but the builder of all things and the furnisher of the entire equipment of all things is God. And Moses certainly was faithful in that administration of all God's house, but it was only as a ministering servant in his entire ministry, he was but a testimony to the things which were to be spoken, the revelations to be given afterward in Christ. Do you get what he's saying there? Okay. So he, Moses himself testified. Jesus is going to come. You must listen to him. Okay. So as Jesus spoke also in, I mean, we've covered this a million and ten times. Um, John chapter 5, verse 39. He's saying, you, you search these scriptures. You search Moses. And these scriptures testify about me, but you would not come to me that you might have life. So... To, to, be, to just do Moses will not give you life. 
but to to actually believe Moses when he tells you, listen to this prophet <laughs> and find him in the scriptures, that will give you life. All right? Come to the person Christ, the Son, to receive eternal life. All right. Let me just see. But Christ, verse 6, the Messiah, was faithful over his own father's house as a son and a master of it. Okay, so now you see again the reference to father and son. So, yes, Moses was faithful to that which God called him, but Jesus is, is the son in the house. He's faithful to his own father's house. Okay, master of it. And it is he, uh, we who are now members of this house. If we hold fast and firm to the end, our joyful and exultant confidence and sense of triumph in our hope in Christ. Okay, so the word confidence is something that is constantly a theme in the book of Hebrews. You see it in Hebrews chapter 4. We boldly and confidently draw near to the throne of grace. We see it in Hebrews chapter 10. Confidently go um, through the separating curtain in the way which is, uh, which is through his flesh, okay? Through the, the power of the blood and through his flesh, we can confidently go. So he also says in Hebrews chapter 10, um, so do not throw away your confidence um, and your, of your profession of faith in him, okay? Because it carries a great reward. So confidence because of the high priest, Confidence because of him and his message and what he has done. The revelation of the Son, which is different from the revelation that, that comes from the prophets. It is the full revelation of the Father. He will declare the Father's name in the worshiping congregation. He revealed the Father. John chapter 1 verse 18 and no one has seen the, the God, but the Son has come to reveal Him, to reveal the Father. Okay, so we have confidence because of His message, His sacrifice, His ministry as a high priest. Okay, let's move on. Verse 7, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as happened in the rebellion of Israel, and their provocation and embitterment of me in the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers tried my patient, patience and tested my forbearance and found I stood their test, and they saw my works for 40 years. Okay, so, said today. Today. If you hear his voice, do not... Harden your hearts. Okay. If there's one thing that people testified of the Jews, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen stands up and he says, you hard-hearted, stiff-naked people. Okay. <laughs> so God speaks to Moses. He said, they are hard-hearted and stiff-necked. Let me destroy them. And Moses says, you told me that you are merciful and slow to anger, rich in love. You can't kill me because that's your word. 
So God says, because of what, what you just said, I will not destroy them. So God spoke to Moses. He said, Moses, come here. Let me make a great nation out of you. Let me just destroy them. No, God, you can't. High priest, faithful, making intercession for them, even though their hearts were hard, stiff-necked people. Okay? He said, let me make a great nation of you. No, God, you said you are slow to anger, quick to forgive. You are rich in mercy and loving kindness. You can't kill them. Moses, because of your saying, I will not kill them. All right? So just, just, just think of the function of the high priest. That was a shadow of something to come. The real one. So consider him, the son, who is now constantly making intercession with the father for us, but not according to a covenant of law that's destroying us, but according to the offering of his own perfect sacrifice that shall stand for all time. All right, does that make sense? All right, so you have... We'll, we'll get to that, man. It's going to get good in, in Hebrews 7, 8, and 9, and then I wish I could just jump to it. But, okay, so, so he's the perfect high priest. He's got the perfect sacrifice. He is perfectly adapted to our needs because of him having suffered death and him being tempted. And he, he did everything at the perfect time. Romans chapter 5, at the fitting time, the perfect died for the ungodly. All right, so you have the fullness of everything that was written already fulfilled, already manifested in heaven, day and night interceding for you. But we'll get to that, okay, in a couple of weeks. <laughs> All right, so um, they were hard-hearted, they were stiff-necked. In Acts chapter 7, he said to them, and we touched on it last week also. Which of the prophets did your forefathers not persecute? So they persecuted them which were the voice of God in that time. And they used the law that came from angels in order to do it. And that's exactly what they wanted to do with Jesus. The law says, but you are doing this. They tried to get him on breaking the Sabbath because he was always healing the sick on the Sabbath. They tried to get him because his disciples were eating the, you know, on the wrong time or they were not fasting at the right time. They were constantly in trouble with the Pharisees. They were constantly looking for something in the law that they transgressed in order to get Jesus and to persecute him and to kill him exactly like they did with the prophets. Hard-hearted, stiff-necked. Okay, let me just get to the point. So he says today, if you hear his voice, don't be legalistic about it. Don't go to the stuff that the angel said about it. Don't harden your hearts with a rock. Ezekiel said, I will remove the heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh that is responsive to the touch of God. Okay? So um, Hebrews 4, we'll get to it just now. 
there's a double-edged sword that removes the calluses, the hardness on the heart. It cuts it out and it takes it out so that the heart is open and, and exposed, but it's, it's like sensitive. It's not, you know, calloused. It's not lost its feeling towards God. So today when you hear his voice, his voice is supposed to, when it is spoken, his voice is supposed to touch our hearts. So, Holy Spirit, we've, we welcome you in our hearts. We welcome the touch of God in our hearts and on our hearts. Um, we want to be sensitive and responsive and obedient to the word of the Lord. Okay? All right. So, do not harden your hearts. Okay. Where your fathers tried my patience tested my forbearance and found I stood their test and they saw my works for 40 years. And so I was provoked and displeased and sorely grieved with that generation and said, they always err and are led astray in their hearts and they have not perceived and recognized my ways and become progressively better and more experimentally and intimately acquainted with them. So God wants us to progressively Get deeper into his word and more responsive, into, uh, more responsive to his word. More led by the Spirit. So, we are now, he says, verse 1, we are consecrated. We are set apart for God. We do share in the heavenly calling. But now consider this Jesus. Now consider this apostle and high priest. Okay, he wants our hearts to be open to him, to every word that comes from him. He wants our hearts to be sensitive to what he's leading us into. Okay? Right, verse 11. Accordingly, I swore in my wrath and indignation, they shall not enter into my rest. Okay, so we'll, we'll I just want to read and then, then we'll speak about it. They shall not enter into my rest. Therefore, beware, brethren, take care, lest there be in any one of you a wicked, unbelieving heart which refuses to cleave to trust and rely on him, leading you to turn away and desert or stand aloof from the living God. But instead, warn one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened into settled rebellion by the deceitfulness of sin, by fraudulence, the stratagem, the trickery, with the delusive glamour of his sin may play on him. For we have become fellows with Christ and share in all he has for us. If only we hold our first newborn confidence and original assured expectation in virtue of which we are believers firm and unshaken to the end. All right. So this message is also reflected in Hebrews chapter 12. We need to look to him and look away from all that distracts. We need to turn away from the stuff and not harden our hearts against his word, but hear his word when the word of correction comes. It says in Hebrews 12, um, he speaks to us as sons. He addresses us as sons. We are partakers of the heavenly calling. What does he call us here? We have... Uh, we share in all that he has for us. We are fellows with Christ. Fellows. We are sons. Seated at the right hand of the Father. 
Okay. So when he speaks, he says, he addresses us as sons, Hebrews chapter 12. Okay. So he says, do not spurn or scorn the correction of the Lord. Or to, to submit to the correction of the Lord. All right? For he, he speaks to us as with sons, and he corrects us as for our certain good. All right? So, and he says, the true children, the true sons of God, all will receive correction from the Spirit. But when we do not harden our hearts when we hear his voice, we manifest sonship, and we follow him. But when we harden our hearts in rebellion against what his voice is saying, then we are stuck with the same stuff that we've been stuck with all these years. So that's the warning of, of chapter 3 and chapter 4 and, and chapter 12, that we open our hearts, hear him speak, and embrace what he is saying. Embrace the word. Okay? So he will tell you, who you are as a son. He will, yes, he will speak to you about you being consecrated and set apart. You are already fellows, fellows with Christ. That's what he says. But now since you are sons, he addresses you as a son. Do not harden your heart. And, that, and that's so simple. Sometimes our reasonings wants to trump what, the, what, what we really know what the Spirit has said. So when the Spirit says something, just respond. Okay? Really simple. He leads us into something. All right. So the big thing is, is not um, that the, this thing that I struggle with, that thing that, that I struggle with. The big thing that he warns against is being settled into... Um, Rebellion or being settled into resistance to God with an unbelieving heart. So the unbelieving heart is something that is resisting the voice. Does it make sense? All right. So if we have to consider Him, if we are fellows with Him, if we are consecrated and set apart and seated with Him, if you are now there and He is speaking, let us consider it. Let us listen to it and pay attention to it. Okay. Right, so he says, verse 15, While it is still called today, if you would hear his voice, and when you hear it, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the desert. Then he says, For who were they who heard and yet were rebellious and provoked him? Was it not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom he was irritated and provoked and grieved for 40 years. Was it not with those who sinned, who dismem whose dismembered bodies were strewn and left in the desert? And to whom did he swear they should not enter his rest? But to those who disobeyed, who had not listened to his word, and he refused uh, to be compliant and to be persuaded. So we see that they were not able to enter into his rest because of their unwillingness to adhere to and trust in and rely on God. So I want to make a distinction between what God said then and what God is saying now. The old and the new. And I want to quickly refer to Hebrews thanks, chapter 8. Okay, just listen to this. Uh, 
verse 9. He speaks of the old and the new. I'm going to start at verse 8. However, he finds fault with them. He's speaking of the, the statutes in the old covenant. He's, he finds fault with them, showing its inadequacy when he says, Behold, the days will come, says the Lord, when I will make and ratify a new covenant or a new agreement with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their forefathers on the day when I grasped them by the hand to help, to give, help and relieve them and to lead them out from the land of Egypt. For they did not abide in my agreement with them, so I withdrew my favor and disregarded them, says the Lord. So the old one where Moses was the high priest and where the angels brought the message, okay, there was wrath expressed, okay, and he says it will, the new one will not be like the old one. They were disobedient and he withdrew his favor. So it's not going to be like that. So we have Jesus, our high priest, who is perfect. And he didn't have to make sacrifices for himself. He was perfect. Okay. Jesus took the wrath of the old upon himself. Okay? Right. So, with disobedience in the new, he says, it will not be like the old. The favor is not withdrawn. Do you see the difference? Okay. But he still says, hey, if you hear the voice, don't harden your hearts. So they didn't enter the rest because of their unbelieving hearts. Okay, so the believing is still the way to get it and to enter into the rest. Okay? Still till today. Now we're going to go on with, with Hebrews 4 and you will see what it means with the new and entering into the rest. But the device that gets you to enter the rest is believing what he's saying. Now he, he has a, he, he plays off the one against the other. In the old, they did not enter the rest, the promised land, because of disobedience. Okay? So their rest was the promised land. Our rest is the secret place. Their rest was a physical place. Our rest is a spiritual place. They had a, a high priest and a leader, Moses, and we have a high priest and a leader, Jesus. But they had to believe Moses in order to enter the promised land. But they didn't. And they resisted him and rejected him and they provoked God, and they died in the desert, going around the mountain, going around the mountain, going around the mountain. Right? So now Jesus came, he paid the price, he made the perfect sacrifice for us, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, according to Hebrews chapter 1. Now, because he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he has now opened the way for us to enter, our our fulfillment, our promised land, our thing is being seated with Christ. 
entering into his rest, entering into the accomplishment of what he did. The only way to do it is to hear what he is saying, consider it, and believe it. That means to trust what he did and by default to stop trusting in Moses. Our biggest distraction, our biggest problem in this world is not uh, overcoming our flesh. Our biggest problem in the world is we don't stop trusting in Moses and start trusting in Jesus. We still lean on the law that puts our attention on our own ability to change ourselves. Listen, God doesn't want you to remain the same. So that's fine. We're all in agreement with this. God doesn't say stay the same. But he says it's not you that can do it. Because the change that you seek, the freedom that you seek, is not a place that you can travel to. It's not a place, a physical place. It is spiritual. And the only way you're going to enter it is by only trusting in him. Does that make sense? So the moment you look to yourself, you're not there anymore. I'm not speaking about what is available to you. Yes, you are consecrated. Yes, you are forgiven. Yes, but I'm speaking of where do you abide? Are you resting in an awareness with him seated at the right hand of the Father in the secret place? Or are you constantly looking for ways to fulfill Moses so that you can change your situation to impress Jesus? Do you see the difference in mindset? The one is, I'm doing this for Jesus so that I can score points. And the other one is, I am resting in what he did. Thank you for what you've done. And from there, we speak a word that changes everything around us. All right? So you don't enter in there by your works. You enter in there by Jesus' works. So consider him. I hope this makes some kind of sense. You don't go to that place where you rest and where all things are possible by effort in your mind, by effort in your own discipline in your own life. You enter there by grace. And you enter there by believing in the sacrifice that he brought. He is the high priest. He is the son. All right. Okay, so if we, even, even though we are washed, even though we are consecrated, if we live in unbelief, we will not enter the rest. But God is not withdrawing his favor. He just says, today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. For you to enter into what God has promised, you need to believe. Okay? So if you're watching and you've heard this thing, um, inclusion or universalism, that kind of thing, that you don't really need to believe, you know, hey, you're not going to enter the rest. What's the rest? Uh, experiencing the reality of being seated with Christ in heavenly places. Not an intellectual thing 
Oh, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. Yeah, we can all see that. You know? Sometimes it looks like more like we're seated, you know, in a very small place in the back of the yard, okay? <laughs> and, not, and not in heavenly places. Okay. All right. Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still holds and is offered today, let us be afraid to distrust it, lest any of you should think he has come too late and has come short of reaching it. Okay, so what's going to happen if you distrust the promise? You're going to think, I'm too late. <laughs> you're going to think, I can't make it. And you're going to give up on it. The promise still holds. He says, trust the promise, you will enter. Verse 2, for indeed we have had the glad tidings, the gospel of God proclaimed to us just as truly as they, the Israelites of old, did when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith, with the leaning of the entire personality on God in absolute trust and confidence, 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 confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness by those who heard it. Neither were they united in faith with the ones Joshua and Caleb who heard and did believe. Okay, so when, when we believe the promise, there's confidence to approach Him. When we believe that we can enter, there's confidence to enter. All right? So, uh, who likes Starbucks? Anyone like Starbucks? Okay. So, when you heard that Starbucks is in South Africa, okay, did you walk into the mall where that Starbucks was a little bit more confidently? <laughs> I believe there's a Starbucks, so I'm going to go get me some Starbucks, go into the mall and get it. Because you have a goal, you know you're going to go there. I hope you hear what I'm trying to say. Okay, if you, if, if you think, I can't have anything inside this shopping center, then you're not really going to approach with boldness. You may not even enter. But if you know that everything inside there is for you and it's free, you'll run there. Okay? So, who, who likes malls? Okay, one hand. Okay? All right? Me and my wife don't really like malls either. Who loves malls where everything is free? Ah, you see the difference in confidence. <laughs> okay, so if you can get expensive stuff for free, it gives you confidence to go, doesn't it? Yeah. All right, so it um, gives everything to you for free. <laughs> so you need to hold on to your confidence, to your boldness, and you need to enter in. Otherwise, you're not going to get the free stuff. Again, but you need to believe the message that it is free and go get it. Okay. I got one smile. There's another smile. Is that, okay, right. Okay. <laughs> Verse 3. For we who have believed, adhere, trust, and right, do enter that rest in accordance with his declaration 
that those who did not believe should not enter when he said, as I swore in my wrath, they, sh they shall not enter my rest. And this he said, although his works had been completed and prepared and waiting for all who would believe from the foundation of the world. It was completed from the beginning. It was the end is declared from the beginning. So God said, it's all ready for you. It's all there for you. If anyone would just believe me and step into it. Okay? But we are prone to rather believe what we see than to believe what he says. Okay? All right. For in a certain place, he said, he has said this about the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And they forfeited their part in it. In this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Seeing then that the promise remains over from past times for some to enter that rest, and that those who formerly were given the good news about it and the opportunity failed to appropriate it and did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he sets a day, a, a definite day, a new today, and gives another opportunity of securing that rest, saying through David after so long a time in the words already quoted, today, if you would hear his voice, and when you hear it, do not harden your hearts. Listen, God has so much more for you, but he's going to give it to you by giving you a word. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay. Deuteronomy 29 verse 29 is a scripture that Prophet Goes used to teach on a lot. It says, the, th the things that are hidden belongs to God. But the things that are revealed belongs to us and our children forever. So how is he going to give you something? He's going to reveal something to you. He's going to give you a revelation. How is the revelation going to come? He's going to speak to you. But he's going to speak to you through the Son and not through the law. Okay? So if he's speaking to you, don't harden your heart <laughs> because he's trying to give you something. He's revealing something so that you can have it. So when he's revealed something to you in the Word, you can just know this. It's yours. The moment you get the revelation, it's yours. The moment you get the revelation, we can heal the sick. You can heal the sick. The moment you get the re revelation, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. The moment you get the re revelation that I can prosper by grace, the money is on its way. Do you get what I'm saying? When you hear a word and believe it, you get the thing. So, Prophet William Undi says this. The car is first going to enter your ears before it's going to enter your garage. <laughs> your spiritual ears. Okay, so before I got married, there was a time that preceded it where I just got words. You're going to get married, you're going to get married, you're going to get married. Prophetic words coming from everywhere. You're going to have children and these words just came. And then the stuff came. God gave a word. Ah, oh, come on. Yeah. 
All right. This is good news. Have you ever had a dream? Have you ever had a dream where God revealed something to you? It seemed so real in the dream. Hey, God gave you that thing. Okay? All right. So that's why he says, ask. Ask and keep on asking. And you will receive. Because if you ask, he will answer you. And if he answers you, you got it. <laughs> All right. You will not enter the secret place if you don't know there's a secret place. But the moment you hear the word that through the blood of Christ you enter the secret place, it's yours and you can abide there. So why don't, why don't you go there? It's given, so believe. Okay, let's go on. Right, he sets another today. Verse 8, this mention of a rest was not a reference to their entering Canaan. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not speak afterward of another day. Okay, so this was a, or, or a, a shadow or a parable of things to come. Okay, God uh, played things out in parables so that he could demonstrate what he wanted to do in the spirit. All right? So it's a parable of things to come. So if that was the fullness of it, that Joshua got them, then what's the point of having a New Testament? <laughs> so it was all just like a play or like a pantomime or a prophetic action, like these chairs that we have today. It's a prophetic action manifesting a full church. All right? So we, I think next time we're going to take some chairs away. It's going to be even fuller. Okay? <laughs> it's just like that one government official that says, you know, we must build the dam smaller so that they can be full. Okay? Yeah. So this works only in the prophetic. Okay? <laughs> okay. Anyway. Right. So um, the, he didn't. That wasn't the big thing. It was just a parable. The big thing was Christ and the secret place. Okay, verse 9. So then there is still awaiting a full and complete Sabbath rest reserved for the true people of God. Okay, so now it gave a reference. God, after he had completed creating everything, he rested on the seventh day. The Sabbath rest. The Sabbath rest doesn't mean you're not supposed to play tennis on a Sunday. It doesn't mean it. You can wash your car. It's fine. It's not about that. Sabbath means you cease from human labors. You cease from trying to change everything yourself. And you put your trust and your reliance in what he has promised. Entering the rest. The rest is the Sabbath. This whole, these two chapters are about entering the rest. And entering that rest is the Sabbath. So even according to the law, the seventh day was declared the Sabbath day and it was a rest day. But Jesus said the Sabbath, man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. Sabbath was there so that people can rest and not work seven days a week. Do you get it? So this, the Pharisees didn't listen to the prophets. They only took the law with, without any life, without anything of, of God with it. And they forced that thing on people. 
So much so that they would punish people if they had a little, um, what's this, piker? Uh, a nail in their shoe that sticks out. So if you drag your foot now, there's a little line in the dust that so said you're plowing. So you're breaking the Sabbath. Yeah. So that's how they were thinking. So now Jesus, here's Jesus healing the sick on the Sabbath day. So they say, hey, there's six days that you can come and get healed. This is the Sabbath day. You can't heal the people on the Sabbath day. So it's like, hey, you, all of you, will lead your donkey to the water on the Sabbath day to drink. So shall I not loose this, this daughter of Abraham on the Sabbath day that's been in bondage for so many years? Okay? So Sabbath has, has nothing to do with, it's, it's not, nothing spiritual about doing nothing on one day of the week. That's not the point. It's to rest. It's to physical rest. But even the Sabbath day in the old was a parable of something that was to come. The seventh day speaks of God has now finished all his work. So what did he cry on the cross? What did he say? Finished. It is finished. So is his work finished? So what did he do just after he finished his work? We read it in Hebrews chapter 1. He sat down. So what was that? He entered the rest. So if he's entered the rest, he now invites us, Revelation, was it 4 or 5? He says, come up higher. He invites us to come and sit with him on the throne at the right hand of the Father. Ephesians 2 6, seated with Christ in heavenly places. Entering the rest. Okay, I'm standing because I'm ministering to you, but you're all resting because you're all sitting. Do you hear yeah, Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, so when you, if, you've, if you've been mowing the lawn all day, is there anyone that actually mows their own lawns? Okay, okay. there's someone that mows, mows his lawn. What, after you've mowed your, your lawn, what do you do? Do, do, you go, do you sit down or do you go do something else? Do you go lay down or do you sit down? You sit down. First thing, you see sit. And you ask your wife for a lack of coffee, copy coffee. Okay. <laughs> and then she comes and sit down because she just worked making you a cup of coffee. <laughs> oh, come on, just smile, okay? All right. So after he had worked, he created everything. Rested. But hey, he wanted to finish the creation by pouring out his spirit in his creation, sanctifying us, the crown of the creation, and perfecting us. The word perfection means to complete it. Completing us by giving us his spirit. So after he had accomplished our cleansing of sins and riddance of guilt, after he had give, poured out his Holy Spirit, what did he do? Sat where? At the right hand of the Father, which means what? The place of power and authority. So he is seated at rest. He did all he was supposed to do. So he's not going to do anything more. God moved. Everyone's waiting for the next move of God. God moved. He's now waiting for everything to be made the stool beneath his feet. We're waiting for him, and he's waiting for us. And that's why nothing's happening. We're waiting for God to do it. You know, our old, 
stupid idea of sovereignty. God will do it. Hey, God told us to do it. He said, go and preach. So he's not going to preach. We're going to preach. He said, go heal the sick. He's not going to heal the sick. We're going to heal the sick. Because he healed everyone on the cross, and he gave us the message on the cross. So he's resting, and he's calling us to be fellows with him, so that we can rest with him. Now we are seated with him in Christ at the right hand of the Father, in fellowship with him. And from there, he is our head, we are the body, we are both in rest at the place of power. So our bodies are on earth. If I'm connected to him on the throne, resting in him in the secret place, everything I do and say on this earth, walking around here in a body, will be powerful. That's entering the rest. Entering the rest is I go into a spiritual place in Christ at the right hand, and I stop trying to change myself. What's the effect of that? His authority is exerted wherever I am. I'm resting in him, so I'm not tired. I'm going with his strength, his ability, his power, walking around in a body on the earth, and it's like Christ walking on the earth. Does that make sense? Christ in me, me in Christ. All right. So resting will make you be busier than before, but with power. <laughs> and with more energy, and you're not going to be tired. Okay. So those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will run and not get weary. They will mount up with wings as eagles. Okay. So you, you get recharged by your unity with Him. And everything you do and say on earth has an effect and is powerful. Okay? So it's, it's not about, you know, taking a nap on a Sunday afternoon. But uh, taking a nap on a Sunday afternoon is glorious and it's wonderful. <laughs> and it is from God. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, yeah. It's just, you know, your kids also need to take a nap. On a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> All right. Right, so he sets another today. Verse 10. For he who has entered God's rest has ceased from the weariness and pain of human labors. So you're not under the law anymore. You're not laboring under the law anymore. Just as God rested from those labors peculiarly his own. Verse 11, let us therefore be zealous and exert ourselves and strive diligently to enter that rest of God, to know and experience it for ourselves, that no one may fall and perish by the same kind of unbelief and disobedience into which those in the wilderness fell. So God says, hey, as they didn't enter and they died in the desert, why don't you, you just take that as a parable and realize, I'm never going to walk into the power of God if I, if I, if I don't stop trying. I need to stop trying. And I need to trust in what he did and trust in him inside me. Okay? Your time of fellowship with Jesus accomplishes more than you running around trying everything, trying to do everything. Okay? If there's anyone in this place who is put together like me, this word will really shake you. Because I'm a doer. <laughs> 
to, my biggest thing is not to, not to do the work. My biggest thing is to let someone else do the work. Okay? <laughs> I can't not do it. I, I, yeah, I have to be restrained from it. And sometimes God has spoken to me, hey, listen, you, you, you need to just be here and not do every, all the practical things. So I'm not going to do it anymore. Okay? I need, I need to listen. I need to enter the rest. So it kind of feels like so contrary to my the whole setup. You know? <laughs> I want to, you know, set the white balance and, you know, set the sound. I didn't do any of that today. Okay? And it feels strange. <laughs> okay. The point is, your time in fellowship with Jesus will accomplish more. More will get done in fellowship with Him, in resting in Him, than with you trying to get everything ready. Okay? He will, he will move on people and the stuff will get ready, but you need to rest in Him. Okay? And if it's you that's supposed to do it, which sometimes is the case, then He will give you the strength and the wisdom and the ability to do that thing and it will be quick and amazing and powerful. Okay. So, seizing from human labors. Verse 11. Yeah, sorry, man. I just want to really just say something on this. Human labors is, is a labor where you are in control and where the, where the, the thought of what you are going to do comes from you. But you can sometimes do work. But if you do the work and it comes from the Spirit, it's not going to feel like work. It's going to be the greatest joy you've ever done. I hope, I'm, I hope someone is hearing me. Okay. It's like, like Paul said, um, it's the grace of God that's come upon you. It's not me doing the work, but it's His superhuman energy that is, that, and His grace that, that works through me. Okay? Okay, moving on. Verse 11. Let us therefore be zealous and exert ourselves and strive diligently to enter the rest. It didn't say strive diligently and work and be zealous to change yourself or to try and obey Moses. He said strive, be zealous, be diligent, but make the focus to enter the rest. Make the focus to be in fellowship with Jesus. Make your focus to enter that place in the spirit to know and experience it for your for ourselves that no one may fall or perish by the same kind of unbelief and disobedience to those in the wilderness fell for the word that god speaks is alive and full of power making it active operative energizing effective it is sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life and the soul the immortal spirit and of the joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. Okay, so he's speaking of striving to enter the rest in this next moment, the word. So this is going to take you into the rest. The word. So the word comes, it's like a double-edged sword. So now there's a lot of thoughts, a lot of things that you're aware of. A lot of things that's been programming you. A lot of things that's been coming at you the whole week. Okay? So your mind is full of this and that and this and that. 
But now you, you, you hear with the word. Now the word goes in there and it sifts. It analyzes. It brings, you know, order. It says, uh, exposing. So if there's a thought that needs to be exposed to the light and removed, it's exposed. Sifting, analyzing, judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. So it's not you that need to try and do it. It's the Word that does it. So how do you, how do you get all these things away so that you can just rest? The Word. Welcome the Word. James chapter 1, um, he says, In a humble, gentle, modest spirit, receive the Word, the implanted Word, which rooted, implanted in our hearts, contains the power to save our souls. Okay, James chapter 1, around about 2021, okay? So you're going to experience salvation in your soul if you embrace the Word and let it analyze, judge, uh, sift, expose in you. Let the Word do that. Okay, remember what we preached a couple of weeks ago on the light Rebuking the darkness. What I mentioned just a couple of moments earlier, Hebrews chapter 12, embrace the correction. Where is the correction? He's, he, his voice, he is the word. The son is the word. So when his voice comes, which is the word, then harden your hearts. Let it come in. Let it sift. Let it cut. Let it analyze. Let it do it. Okay? All right. Verse 13. Not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight. But all things are open and exposed, naked and defenseless to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Right. So you're not going to shock God. You're not going to let him find out about anything. You're not going to catch him off guard. You can be real with him, okay? He knows everything already anyway. So being open with him and embracing the word to come in and do what it's supposed to do is for our benefit. He is God. He doesn't need this. But he gives it to us because he loves us and he wants us to be fellows with Christ. He wants us to experience everything God has for us. All right. Verse 14. Inasmuch then as we have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of faith in him. All right. So this person, consider him. This person, the high priest, since we have such a high priest and he has already ascended the heavens, he's already in the secret place. He's already made a place for us. You know, uh, John 14. I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. He's not talking about streets of gold and a mansion next door to Jesus. Those are songs. What he's talking about, now, what he's talking about, in my Father's house, where is his house? Well, I will be their God and they shall be my people. So the people is his house. The dwelling place. He will abide and we will abide in him. So in my father's house, 
there are many dwelling places. But I go to prepare a place for you. So what is the place that he's preparing for you? In Christ, seated at the right hand of power on the throne. That's the place that he's prepared for you. And that place is the rest. That place is where you need to enter and stay and abide. Right? That's John 14. He's not saying streets of gold. And in any case, that revelation in the book of Revelation speaks of the way, and it's one street. It's not streets. It's one street. It's a Broadway, and in the middle of the Broadway was the river of life, and on either side of the river was the tree of life. It's spiritual things. It's speaking of the way we walk in in Christ. It's a way, it's a road of gold. Um, Isaiah, where is it? Is it, is it 32? The, the holy way, the highway of righteousness. Okay. That's a rabbit trail for another day. Okay. Inasmuch then as we have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of faith in him. So keep on confessing what you believe in him. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the salts of temptation, but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are yet without sinning. Okay, just look at me with the holiest look you've ever looked. Okay. Have you ever felt that no one understands you? Have you ever felt like that? Okay. Do you have a need to be understood? Okay. You have a need that someone must understand you. Okay, you have such a someone. <laughs> he understands what you're going through because he went through it and worse. He understands you. So you can be real and share your heart with him and he will really get it. Okay, he, he gets it. He understands you much more than you understand you. All right. He's unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses, infirmities, and liability to the assaults of temptation. Okay, so if there's temptation, guess what? You have a high priest that has sympathy with you. When we, when we look at legalistic people that brings the law outside of the context of what the prophet said, just the law, just the tablet, tables of stone, nothing else, okay? No Christ, no cross, no nothing, just the law. There's no sympathy. There's no shared feeling of weakness. There's only hit you over the head if you don't do it. Okay? So putting a rule on your situation is not going to improve it. People think we need more rules because people are sinning. Hey, you're going to pour petrol on the fire and it's going to explode. What you need is a sympathetic high priest that understands your temptation, that understands where you are, that wants to help you out of it. So the only thing you need to do is hear what he is saying because he knows what he's talking about. Right, but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are yet without sinning. Verse 16, let us then fearlessly, confidently, and boldly draw near to the throne of grace. 
the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help, well-timed help coming just when we need it. All right. Just want to do something here. Isaiah says, the heavens are my throne, and the earth is the footstool. So the footstool is not very far from the throne, is it? Okay, so if you enter the heaven, the heavens, in the secret place, you're in the throne. But you have a body, you're alive, you're at the footstool. So if you can enter the throne life, the throne will enter you. And whatever you say will be from the throne. Okay? So come boldly to the throne. What have we been speaking about for the last hour? Entering the rest and hearing his voice. Where will you hear his voice best? Probably where he is sitting. So if I go to where he is seated to hear from him, and I go sit with Christ in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father, so now I go to him boldly, fearlessly to the throne of grace. To do what? To enter the rest. To sit down. I don't go to the throne of grace to beg, to grovel, to pull myself down to the floor. Humility is believing what God says about you. It's pride to demonstrate anything else than what God says about you. So how many times does he say in the book of Hebrews, hold fast to your confidence. Confidently, boldly, draw near to the throne of grace. Why? Because you are already consecrated. You're already set apart. You're already forgiven. So go to the throne of grace. Right? So what do you do at the throne of grace? Enter the rest. Okay, so now in spirit, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm resting from my human labors. No more laboring. No more trying to be better. No more trying to prove myself to God. No more trying, struggling, struggling. No more, no more, no more, no more. Resting in what Jesus did. The blood is enough. I rest. Thank you, Lord. I'm holy. I'm blameless. I'm perfect. <sighs> I'm resting. I'm entering what he promised. So now I am where he is. He's called the word, so you'll probably say something sometime. Okay? If your name was the word, would you say something? Sure. Okay, so he's seated, and I'm seated with him. So now he says, hey, do you know this? And he starts in a still small voice, intimately speaking with you who have drawn near. Isaiah 55, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So now he can just speak to you, calmly, quietly, heart to heart, just speak to you what's on his heart. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So now you've heard from him. So in spirit, you are seated with him. But your body is at the footstool. So 
Now what you heard from the Father, you just say. And when you say something that you heard from the Father, His authority is exerted on the earth again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Not the heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth. The seen and the unseen is a combined unit. It's not supposed, it's not supposed to be any division. There's not supposed to be a, flown, a throne floating around without a resting place, without a footstool. <laughs> You're on this earth for a reason. If you have a body, you have authority over this earth. God made man, and he said, let them have complete authority. So we are on this earth, and we have complete authority. Now imagine we take this authority, and we go to the throne, and we yield it, and we listen to what he has to say. And we start yielding our authority to him. Guess what's going to happen on the earth? Heaven on earth. So when we look around, and we see all the nonsense that's going on. It's not where's God. God's where he's supposed to be on the throne. It's, hey, where are we? Where's the church? Are we running around trying to change something and pointing a finger? Or are we abiding with him and hearing what he's saying? Okay? Fellowship with him will change your circumstances. All right. So let us go boldly to the throne of grace. Put your, like John did with Jesus, put your your ear just on his breast, on his heart. Just hear him when he's saying something. Just be close. And you get up and everything is under your feet. How will everything be made a stool beneath his feet when the church comes to sit on the throne? I just said something so powerful. When we enter by faith into the rest, everything else has been made a stool beneath our feet because the earth is his footstool. Okay. We are now the body of Christ. You want Jesus to rule on the earth? Hear what he says and do what he says. Amen. Did you hear something? Okay, so now we're going to do something cool. Okay? I want to lay hands on everybody, but it's going to be really quick. Because we have some more space now, we can line up here and to the sides and to, this, to that side. So it's going to be like a huge. I'm just going to go. A few seconds and then we're gone. Then, then we're done. All right? Is that fine? Okay, so we can still keep on streaming. Um, and then after I've done that, you go take communion. Okay, if you can. <laughs> All right. So, um, so I'm, gonna, I'm changing a few things. We're going to only have communion from now on on the first Sunday of every month. All right? So if you want communion, first Sunday of the month. So be here on the first Sunday of the month. All right? So I, I've said that a couple of weeks ago to Lenae. I just feel to do this because now that every Sunday thing can, can easily become a every Sunday thing, I'm drunk. You know, so we change things up every now and then. Okay, so every first Sunday of the month, we will have communion. All right, so let's quickly line up. Can we, can we get some, uh, just put on, I think, Suzanne. We'll be, 
will be awesome. Okay, so if you're watching, keep on watching. I'll greet you in a couple of seconds. I'm just going to lay hands on everybody. All right, so let's line up. Amen. I think that's, this is awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. I'm really excited about this. Let's go down this way. Okay, stand it so you can look and the cake. Are you ready? It's going to be quick. Do we have some catchers? Okay, the catchers will have to be awake now. Huh? Let me move. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, Jesus. This is for the rest. 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 Thank you, Jesus. The rest. The rest of God. Enter the rest. Enter the rest. The rest of God. The rest. Enter the rest. Enter the rest. Trust in what he did. Enter the rest. 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 Okay, let's just go down this way. This, this, I did do it this way because that's what I saw before the service. So. <laughs> enter the rest. Thank you, Jesus. Enter the rest. Enter the rest. Enter the rest. Enter the rest. And all the little rests. Enter the rest. <laughs> enter the rest. Enter the rest. Enter the rest. <laughs> enter the rest. 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 Who's not resting yet? Okay. <laughs> oh, we should have had chairs and then everyone can just go sit down when I say it. <laughs> Into the rest. Into the rest. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Into the rest. Into the rest. Into the rest. Into the rest. Everybody? Okay, you're watching. And the cameraman will pray for you now. Into the rest of God. He has prepared a rest of God. It is at the right hand of the Father on the throne. Enter the rest by the grace of Jesus Christ and enjoy it. <laughs> Be blessed. Thank you for watching. Take communion with us. But we're going to end the stream now. We're going to see you next week, Sunday at 9.30. Bless you. Thanks for watching. Like and share. Tell us where you're from. And uh, send us a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Amen. some, but you will get the rest. <laughs> the rest and the rest. <laughs> <laughs>